0: I think obviously you have to determine what works for you first and what works for your income first, but I I do think that there's a lot of value to listening to your audience. And I think that was a big piece that I was kind of missing for a while. Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. And thank you so much for spending part of your Friday or whichever day it is that you're listening to this with me. Today's episode is going to be about a new concept, new to me at least. It's uh, not really a review, but more of just kind of a chat about a book that I recently read called 1000 True Fans. But before we hop into that, I want to read an iTunes review of the week. So I do apologize to my international listeners. I just figured out how to read my international reviews. So you guys were probably wondering why I haven't been reading yours, but unfortunately iTunes is really weird and they don't show them automatically. So anyway, today's review comes from Canada. It comes from Steph1295. She says, insightful, authentic, and funny. Latasha's podcasts offer an interesting and very thought-provoking perspective on Today's top marketing and social media trends. I love how truthful and honest she is, and the podcast episodes are a great addition to her YouTube channel. So thank you so much, Steph. And I, I love that she said it's funny. I never know on the internet, and especially on podcasting, because you don't have visual cues. I never know if my sense of humor comes across. I have a very dark, uh, dry sense of humor. So yeah, I hope you guys don't think I'm just this super boring person. I do have a sense of humor, but yeah (laughs) anyway thanks for the review if you have found some value from this show I would really really appreciate it if you took a couple seconds to leave a review of the show Uh, it helps new people find the show and all that good stuff and it just means a lot to me so that would be great Alright, so with that said, I want to get into the episode. Like I said, this is not a review per se, but just kind of a discussion about a book that I recently read. My friend Raya actually recommended it to me. She is Raya J. Hodges. She's actually been a guest on the show before, so I'll link her episode down in the show notes if you want to re-listen to it. But she, we were just talking about selling digital products and coaching and stuff like that. And she was like, have you heard of the 1000 true fans model? So I bought this ebook and I just bought the Kindle version of this book. And the book was actually written kind of in response to or as a summary of a blog post. So I'll definitely leave the book link and the blog post link if I can find it in the show notes for you guys to check out as well. It was like $3 on the PC Kindle thing whatever it's called I don't have a real Kindle I just read it on my computer but I thought it was pretty worth it I guess it was it was very interesting So I wouldn't say that this book is like, you know, a completely brand new concept to me, something I never heard of or never thought of or anything like that. It's essentially like micro-influencer marketing in a nutshell. So what it's all about is it's basically saying you only need 1,000 true fans to really make an income, make a living from your skill, your creativity, or whatever it is that you have to teach or show the world basically it's based off of a model of if you can make hundred dollars in income on the things that you sell and you sell those things to1,000 different people you're making a salary of a hundred thousand dollars a year and sometimes like when I just break down the math it really it, it something clicks for me because I know that right I know that I don't need to make a lot of money necessarily from each of my consumers. But I think when you lay out the numbers like that, it really just makes it really real and understandable. So I don't know, I I definitely recommend this if you're into like coaching or thinking about building courses or doing anything like that. I highly, highly recommend checking this out because it does do that. It just kind of puts things into perspective for you. So just wanna talk about some of the things that he mentioned. So one of the big things that I noted here in the book was that actually you don't, and this is a quote, actually you don't necessarily need to find a a 1,000 fans who love your work. In reality, you just need 1,000 customers. They don't need to love your work, they just have to want or need your products enough to keep buying them every week, month, or year. So I think this is a really good concept too. Number one, I just wanna say, like this is a disclaimer, I hate the term fans. I don't mind when somebody, like, occasionally I'll meet somebody in public or whatever and they'll say, I'm a fan of your work. I don't mind if you say it, uh, but it's weird to me. I don't, I don't know. I'd rather the term viewer or listener or subscriber or something. Fans is just too, like, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not any better than you, obviously. Uh, so it just makes me feel uncomfortable. So I just want to put that disclaimer out there. I'm obviously going to be using the term fans because that's what the book is about, but I don't use that in my personal life. So anyway, I think it's a really good point because. You know, people, I have people who buy my courses who I don't think love me per se. I don't think listen to every podcast episode I put out. I don't think, you know, keep in touch with me all the time, but I still created a product that they needed. So I do think there's something to be said for that and that not every single one of your consumers has to be completely obsessed with you and be a, a quote unquote fan, but The point of this book really is that it does help if they are. (laughs) It helps if you're building a tight knit audience, a niche audience, number one. So there was another quote that I marked, speaking of niche, that really was interesting to me. It said, The internet had made it possible to produce super specific niche products. In the past, if you wanted to sell things, you'd have to open up a physical shop. Um, You could easily find a thousand people in your town who wanted to buy ABBA or Led Led Zeppelin, but If you wanted to sell something from a cult band, a more obscure band, that would be hard to do. And I think that is such a good point. I think niching down is everything when it comes to this model. When I originally started a, or started thinking about building a course, at first I was like, let me just do like social media, like social media 101. And to be honest with you, and you listening, even if you take taken the course, you're probably like, no, I would not have bought that. Some people would. And I think that there is some value to high level, you know, uh, just broad courses like that for certain audiences. But for my audience who is already pretty digital savvy, a lot of you guys already had YouTube channels, or at least were, you know, obviously navigating YouTube enough to be able to subscribe to me and comment to me and stuff. It didn't make sense. It didn't make sense for my audience. So it was scary to have to niche down and say, I want my first course to be for freelance social media managers, because I knew I was gonna be cutting out a lot of people from my audience. I knew that I was gonna be cutting out those uh, audience, those, those portions of my audience who were strictly influencers and strictly YouTubers and creators. And that was scary, you know? That was definitely scary. But I do think it's important because those are the super fans. Think about the things that you truly love you know, like the, the especially when it comes to personal brands or any kind of brand really that you're obsessed with. It's something that speaks directly to my life. One of my favorite Instagram accounts right now, and I'm being such a fangirl because I mentioned them in my YouTube video. I did a YouTube video about hourly rates. So if you haven't seen that yet, I highly recommend you check that out. I posted that a couple days ago. Anyway, I mentioned this account in that video too, but my favorite Instagram account right now and Facebook group is called Freelancing Females. And I'm a freelancing female, it literally speaks to my soul. Their Instagram accounts have like really funny memes about, you know, wearing sweatpants and uh, I don't know, just like funny millennial freelancer stuff. So it speaks very directly to me. I'm not as big of a fan of like general business accounts. You, you get the deal. We, we know that niches are important. Let's move on. Okay. So. If you do nothing else, if you take nothing else away from this episode, I want you to do these two things. So in this book, he recommends you write down two different numbers. A is the minimum income per year you need to quit your job, or uh, and B, your ideal yearly income. And then all that he wants you to do is divide both of those numbers by 1,000 fans. So I did one for myself. I've obviously already quit my day job, but I think the minimum bare minimum that I could live off of would be about $20,000. I rounded up a little bit, actually, the number I got just to be a little more on the safe side, but that divided by 100 is $20. So if I use this model and I only needed to make $20,000 to survive, I could sell a $20 product to a thousand people and I would be okay. And this actually translates really well. And I can really speak to this because before I relaunched my course, I was actually selling it for $19. So that is pretty much on par. Now, I didn't make $20,000 just from my course last year or the year before, whenever it was that much, just because I truly wasn't pushing my course that much. But I do think it would have been possible. I think if that was my only form of income, I think I would have made it work, to be honest. And I think that price point was attainable for enough people Uh, and then the ideal yearly income so I just put a hundred thousand for the sake of this episode and that would be $100 so kind of that that basic model of a hundred dollar product sold to a thousand people now my course is 55 dollars so it's not a thousand dollars but i do offer a coaching program for a little over a thousand dollars so if we're going off of that i obviously don't want to take a thousand coaching clients that's a lot i can't really do the math i don't even know if that would be possible i'm sure it would be but it seems like a lot but basically i want to figure out a way to do a mix of my coaching my one-on-one coaching with my courses and make that happen and i think like when you put it in that perspective and i would obviously have to do the math and like break things up a little bit but i definitely think that's doable Now, i think it's worth saying that the 1000 true fans model it doesn't work for everybody it doesn't work for everything so there was a bunch of different criteria i think there were like four or five rules that he wants you to ask yourself before determining if this is going to work for you. One of the most notable for me was that people will regularly keep purchasing the thing that you create versus only buying a handful per lifetime. So think, you know, a car or a home. That's obviously, I mean, that's like a random thing. We're not selling cars or homes typically, most of us, but those are things that they're high ticket items and there's a reason that they cost so much because people don't buy many of them throughout their lifetimes. Now, online courses, even if I were to up my pricing to a couple hundred dollars or some course creators even charge into the thousands, that's still relatively low. And as long as you are evolving and you're constantly coming out with new material, there's always gonna be something to sell. So this is something that did kind of make me pause for a bit because although I know that I do have the ability to continue to make more. I realized after reading this book that I really do need to be pumping out more content, paid content. And this ties in to the next point I wanna make about free work. I don't ever want to not make free work and I think that is a really important thing to always be offering free work. But like, like I said, I realized I have two courses, well, three, I have one free one as well, but three courses over you know three or four years of creating them, I don't have, especially when they're lower price points, it's not enough to keep you guys coming back for more courses. So I need to really, I need to work on that. And I am, I am having, I am planning on doing some courses moving forward, both some bigger courses and some mini courses. So stay tuned for those of course. But anyway, my point is you always have to be making stuff <laughs> if you're gonna follow this one thousand true fans model and that's not for everybody that doesn't work for everybody so keep that in mind there were some other roles too I'm not gonna completely read his book out loud for you guys but definitely check it out um now like I said uh, there's a few stops that he recommended to get started with the thousand true fans model some of them were pretty obvious right but you know one of the ones that stood out to me was create attention grabbing free Work, which I do, I create so much free content. It is unreal when I look at the numbers, how much time, how how many pieces of content I put out every single week, every single year, every single month. It's kind of wild, but I do think that this is really important, and I think that this is something that a lot of us do struggle with. And to be honest with you, I was getting to a point where I was feeling a little frustrated earlier this year because I just felt like maybe this sounds entitled, and I'm sorry if this sounds comes off the wrong way, but i just feel like sometimes people think that like this is like this pays me talking into this microphone pays me nothing nothing at all zero dollars i have yet to take a sponsor for the podcast i don't make ad revenue off the podcast like doing this type of stuff yes it's semi self-serving but it's just i just want to help people and so i got to a point i think earlier this year where I was just feeling like really frustrated because I, I felt like when I did try to sell something, people would just like act like I was being annoying and I'm sorry, (laughs) like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, So it is a tough one and I definitely think it's about balance and I don't feel guilty selling my own stuff because I give so much. And I think that that is one thing for people who struggle with sales or who struggle with you know feeling even though you really shouldn't feel guilty if it's your platform you can sell on it if you want to but if that's not doesn't come super naturally to you I think giving away so much free content gives you some legs to stand on number 1 but number 2 it also does offer an ability to enter your funnel for everyone and not all of those people are going to convert but I do believe you know even when I was feeling frustrated and things like that I still felt like the people who didn't buy my stuff for whatever reason, whether they couldn't afford it, it wasn't, it didn't relate to their life. It didn't, you know, it wasn't valuable to them, whatever. I still felt like as long as I was treating my listeners, my viewers the right way, I was truly offering valuable stuff. At the very least, they're sharing my content, hopefully, or commenting or giving, you know, giving some type of engagement. And that all helps down the road. You know that a lot of you are very social media savvy. Even just commenting helps trigger that algorithm so that more people will see it and be able to hopefully purchase from you too. But I also think that pushing back on that entitlement factor, I think that he brought up a really great point in this book too, that again, kind of shook me. He said, you need to ask your audience more. What was the direct quote? Let me read it to you. If money was no object, what would you like me to create for you? And I love that. Like I've never asked that. So I would love it if you're listening like if if you can do me nothing else. You don't have to buy anything from this episode. You don't have to do anything. But I would love it if you sent me a message on Instagram, if you tweeted me, if you sent me an email, whatever you want to do and let me know if money was no object. What would you like me to create for you? I would love to know that because you know, I think that is part of it. I think that when you're creating so much free content, sometimes there's a disconnect between what I'm selling. And I actually did realize this when I rolled out my coaching program. A lot of people love it. And I have clients who are doing so well and who I'm loving working with. But others have told me they either want a group coaching option or they would prefer more self-paced courses because of their schedule or because of their budget or whatever it is. So I think it's really important to listen to your audience and not just prescribe things. I think obviously you have to determine what works for you first and what works for income first. But I, I do think that there's a lot of value to listening to your audience. And I think that was a big piece that I was kind of missing for a while. Um, at least when it came to the paid stuff. I listen to you guys all the time when people request like video content and and stuff like that. But when it comes to the paid stuff, I've always just kind of done my own thing. So I think this is really, really important. And of course, it goes without saying, listen to those 1000 true fans or however many true fans you have now. I would say it's probably for me, my true fans would be like, I don't know. It's definitely not 20,000 YouTube subscribers. I'd say probably my 500 people in my Facebook group would maybe be considered 1,000 true fans or 500 true fans. But listen to those guys. Don't listen to the trolls on YouTube, obviously, or the people who are just dropping by for free advice. But listen to the people who have, you know, watched your videos. There's a reason that they're not purchasing if they're not. So figure out what that is. That was my own advice that wasn't from this book so i just kind of went off on a tangent but he mentions that the re- the reason that he wrote this book is because he noticed people were searching for 1000 true fans on amazon because i guess tim ferris had referenced this 1000 true fans blog post and so people thought it was a book and so they're already searching for it so the demand was already there and i think that is brilliant he says, basically you should find something that people are already searching for, but that they're not finding what they're looking for, which is exactly what I did with my course. I was starting my career as a freelance social media manager, or, you know, I was in it already, but looking to improve it and looking at that point to go full-time with my business, I hadn't yet. and. I was researching and researching, and I was getting on webinars, and it's kind of around the time that I, I first discovered Hillary Rushford and some of those people. I love Hillary Rushford, by the way, but you know she does these great webinars, but she's not a freelance social media manager. She talks about doing like wardrobe styling or uh, outfit styling, personal styling, stuff like that. That's not my thing, so I didn't find anyone that really truly spoke to me and exactly what I wanted. But I knew, hey, I'm doing this. I'm looking for this. Somebody else has to be too. So I think that's great advice. Find whatever it is that you need because chances are if you need it and if you're Googling it, somebody else does too. Another big point mentioned in this book was email lists. And I've talked about email lists. I've had guests on the show talk about email lists and I've really realized over the past year or so just how important an email list is. Is if you don't have an email list yet, I highly recommend if you have any web platform, if you have Squarespace or Wix or WordPress or anything like that, there are ways for you to collect emails, and it's pretty easy. You don't have to have your strategy 100% down. I still don't, and that's something that I'm really going to be looking to work towards improving. I actually uh, just hired somebody who's going to help me out with that, so. It's a priority for me because emails are digital currency. Emails matter and growing your list is hugely important. And in this book, and just from what I know and my experience, and what I'm sure that you've experienced, social networks, we're at their mercy. You know, if I want you to see a new video or a new blog post or learn about a new course I'm coming out with or learn about my one on one coaching program. It's up to YouTube to decide if they want to show it to you that day. It's up to Instagram to decide if they want you to learn about it. And that's frustrating. That is limiting people who have opted into your content by following you or subscribing to you is an unnecessary barrier. So email is a lot more direct. It gets into people's inbox now, whether they open it or not is another story, but Email conversion rates are still higher than social. It is what it is, at least for you know opens and click through rates. It's just it's just higher typically on average. Mine definitely are, and I also think uh, this comes from a former guest of the show as well. My love in London episode. Her name is Just Dante. She talked about, you know, I think people are just more likely or more used to being sold to on email, which I thought was interesting. And I never, I don't know, I never thought of it like that, but I think she's right. When I open my email, I'm getting a lot of promotions, which does mean that it's a bit more competitive, I think, but it doesn't feel quite as aggressive. Just like I said, you know, that selling thing is awkward. And I was wondering like, oh my gosh, why isn't this working for me for a long time? And I I think that email is going to get you better results. It feels much less awkward for both parties. Another thing on selling, really quick, I highlighted something that I wanted to share with you. So if you feel uncomfortable about selling to your 1,000 true fans or 500, whatever your fans are, take the case, I'm quoting here, take the case of someone who spends $3 every day on their way to work in Starbucks across the 50 weeks that they will work. That means that they'll spend $750 hard earned dollars on coffee a year. Think about that. Starbucks has probably millions of true fans, way more than a thousand true fans, but that's exactly what it is. Starbucks has true fans or, you know, any coffee shop or any consumable item, they're Spotify, Netflix, dumb things that I pay for every single month that all combined makes them millions, if not billions of dollars. Amazon has true fans for a reason because their fans get their stuff that they want. They get it really easily. They get it really quickly. We go on and on here, but that is exactly what that model is. It's a true fan model. They're not depending on, you know, Starbucks. I get a black coffee when I go to Starbucks, and I'm not the giant, most giant Starbucks fan. I'm not one of those people who does go to Starbucks every day, but when I go, I get a black coffee, you guys. It is like $2. It is so boring. I rarely, if ever, get any of those fancy drinks. It's nothing exceptional. They're making $2 off of me, but guess what? They know that it's good because I do think Starbucks coffee is good. I, I, I'm i not gonna lie, I'm not a coffee snob. I do think it's good. It's convenient, it's everywhere. You know, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna go to Starbucks at least probably 10 or 20 more times this year. And that's coming from someone who works from home and doesn't go into an office every day and who doesn't like sugary coffee. So that's definitely saying something. So the point is, true fans, buy your stuff. It's not necessarily going to be millions of dollars worth of stuff, but they're going to buy your stuff. He says, fortunately, because people love your work, your true fans are happy to pay you what you make. And I think that point just, again, drives it home of what it really means to be a true fan. I always think about this, you know, for this episode, I'm really talking about my my coaching and my courses. But when I think about my clients, it goes for the same thing. The clients who are really excited to work with me and generally seek me out typically don't. They're not the ones who are bartering back and forth, asking me to lower my rate. They're just excited to work with me and they trust me and they are quote unquote a fan of me for some reason because they've seen the work that I've done or they have seen my YouTube channel or something like that. They know that I know what I'm doing and the they're happy to pay. They they don't mind. They're not going to put up a fight about it. And I think that's that's just an example of the true fans model too. So there's essentially a little formula or recipe or step by step instruction in this book for getting your stuff out there. Really, the first step is to get your free stuff seen. So he gives a ton of good ideas in here. They're nothing again. Nothing earth shattering. But just from my experience, the things that work for me are uploading YouTube videos. That's definitely the number one place where people find me. But I would say that that is very top of the funnel. I think that this podcast is a little bit further down the funnel. It's a little bit more uh, people who are really interested and a little bit of a warmer. And again, the whole point of my podcast is not just to sell, just to clarify. But you know, people who listen to my podcast typically are a little bit more serious about their careers or a little bit more interested in freelancing than people on YouTube who a lot of them do stumble by randomly. Another thing that has been really, really working well for me is doing live trainings and webinars. I've been trying to do one a month. I didn't do one this month because I had some speaking gigs, but I will be doing one. Actually, it will be this month. It'll be next Thursday. I don't believe that the landing page is done for that yet. If it is, I'm going to link it in the show notes. But if it isn't, just keep an eye on my Instagram and on your, on your emails, if you're on my email list and things like that, I'll definitely let you know when the landing page is open for that, but it'll be next week. Anyway, doing those kinds of things have really helped because it, it really enables me to showcase my expertise before uh, just kind of going in for the sell. Like it gives you almost like a trial session of working with me because it feels very one-on-one. I'm able to interact live with you, that kind of thing. So yeah, upload your stuff, host something free. I want to do more free events this year. I want to do some freelance Friday meetups, co-working, that kind of stuff. That's all great top of the funnel type stuff. Then you want to get exposure. You want to get eyeballs on your stuff. You want to get people to come to the events. You want to get people to opt into the webinars. So there's lots of different ways that you can do that. Writing guest posts, being a guest on YouTube channels or podcasts. That's something that I'm pushing myself to do more of. So if you have a podcast and you're listening to this and need guests, I would love to be a guest on your show. I don't do that enough. I don't put myself out there very often. And I should, because why not? So get traditional media to write about your work. Um, He gives out a lot of other ideas on there. And then, of course, gaining followers. So, I mean, that's easier said than done. One thing that I don't like about this book is he literally just writes... Get YouTube subscribers, get people to sign up to your list, but like it's very nondescript. And again, that's easier said than done. So my ideas here, I'll interject a bit, get people on your list with some opt-ins, some freebies, some high quality stuff. I'm working on that too. Like I said, email is a big focus area for me. This, these next six months of 2019, last six months of 2019 is to get more people on my list and get more, get more good content out there via email. So it's in terms of opt-in. So I created a free course that's available. That's right now my number one list builder, you can also do things like eBooks and freebies and samples. You know, if, if the ebook is the product that you're selling, give out the first chapter for free or give out the first lesson of your course for free. Uh, yeah. Getting Instagram followers and YouTube subscribers is a little bit different because it's not like an opt-in model, but I think it's really just consistency, interaction, all that good stuff. And then the next step is converting followers to fans. So yeah, this is this is I think the tough part for me at least. I mean, I think a lot of people think that getting the followers is the hard part. And it is, like, especially like on Instagram and you like it is hard. But really where the magic is is the fans part. And I think that's where I'm currently stuck. I think I have some and I love you guys. I appreciate you guys so much. But I don't have a thousand. I don't think that I have a thousand true fans. And I think this can be the tough part. I think it's, you know, um, some of the ideas he gives out, spending time with fans, using Facebook Live, doing webinars, holding exclusive free events, um, creating a group identity, replying to their emails, encouraging fans to email you. So, you know, I do get a lot of Instagram DMs and I do try to reply to them all. I think that that helps build true fans, if you will. I think showing that you care helps build true fans. I think the Facebook group has been amazing for my personal brand. It's just a one-on-one place where we can go. And from that is the next step, which is monetization. I have built a Patreon page as well. So that's even more niche and more exclusive. So those groups are great for that. But I definitely think that this is where a lot of people struggle. It's like, okay, there's eyeballs on my content. Now what? I think my number one piece of advice is just engage, comment, talk to people, talk to people like they're human. Number one, I honestly don't think you're going to get a lot of fans. If you call your fans fans, <laughs> like, like I said, in the beginning, my disclaimer, I don't know, I think you have to talk to people like they are human, like they matter, and I think that that has served me well. Even though I'm not at 1000 true fans yet, I think that that has served me well. The last step here, he identifies is selling stuff to fans. So you guys know there's a lot of different models for this. You can build a course, you can uh, do a subscription box, you can do a uh, member site, you can do Patreon. Again, there's a million different things you could do. You could sell an ebook, you could sell uh, merch, you could do so much. So I'll leave that up to you and what your strength is. I think my tip for that is really just to offer something that is truly going back to the beginning, something that people truly want, you know, don't just sell a t-shirt that you think is cute. I mean, you can, if that's just a side hobby for you and something that you want your audience to have just like a fun t-shirt or something. But if they're not out looking for it, chances are it's not going to do well. You're not going to make six figures from it. So Create something that people really need or really want or really are searching for and also create something that you truly have something valuable to say about. I don't want to buy a course from somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about or from somebody who's just kind of regurgitating the same things that I've heard over and over again. I want to buy a course from someone who's passionate about it and who's very knowledgeable. So I think that's kind of that finding that intersection of you know interest, knowledge, and expertise, as well as demand is the hard part of selling, you know, and then asking for it, asking for the sale in a way that doesn't feel too slimy, but at the same time, you shouldn't feel that way because these are your platforms. So I don't know. I think that in a nutshell, I think that this has gotten me to think in a different way because I've never, I've never felt like I needed to sell my course, for example, to millions of people. Like I knew that. And that's the whole point of my course, money-making micro-influencer. Like I said, bring it full circle. You know, this is really micro-influencer marketing in a nutshell, because that's the whole, that's the whole concept. You don't need a million followers to be successful. I'm proof of that. I would consider myself successful. I've had successful course launches. I have a successful YouTube channel and I do not have a million subscribers. I've close to 20,000. So I've never never necessarily been under that belief that you need the most to to be the best. But I will admit that sometimes I, it just felt very unattainable. You know, my goals are, I'm not where, where I want to be in terms of my goals. I would consider myself success, successful. I make a full-time income doing what I love to do but I'm not where I want to be yet, you know? I, I, I have goals that I haven't achieved yet. And reading this did put things in perspective to me. And I think it, again, if nothing else has gotten me to think about what what's wrong with my sales process, what do you really want? What do my existing true fans really want? Because while I might not have a thousand true fans yet, I think I at least have 10. I think I at least have 20. Like I have a few. And so maybe just getting to know them, getting to understand their pain points is where I need to start and start building products that are going to be truly valuable to them that they're going to be willing to pay $100 for. And if if I can get them to pay $100, then chances are somebody else is willing to too. And I can get to that 1000 true fans model. So that's sort of what I took away from it. And honestly, I am, like I said, I'm really open to your feedback. I would love to know what you guys do need help with, what you do want, what you would pay $50 or a hundred dollars for. I've done surveys and stuff too. I guess that's another tip that I have. I've sent out surveys before, which were actually extremely valuable to me. It's actually how I launched my coaching program. I sent out a survey. I just used a Google form and I actually offered gift cards. Like I, I think I offered like $5 gift cards to five or 10 people who filled it out. And it was really helpful for me. It's actually how I determined the pricing for my coaching program and kind of the structure. I was debating between doing group coaching and one-on-one coaching. And that just really helped clarify some things for me. So again, there are definitely things that you can do. Maybe I'll do something you know similar to that for courses and lower price Items and services and products. I don't know why I can't talk today, but lower priced products in the future. But anyway, I think if I took nothing away from this book, it was definitely just to listen to your audience and nurture those existing fans that you do have so that you can continue to build upon that model. So I am going to leave the blog post and the book link in the show notes, like I mentioned. I hope that this was interesting to you or got you thinking in a new way. If you do check it out, let me know what you think of it. And yeah, let me let me know what you thought of this episode. It was it was an interesting one. I feel enlightened. I hope you do too. And I will be back next week. I have an exciting interview to share with you for next week's episode. And I can't wait for you to listen to it. I will also be posting that webinar link soon on my socials. So make sure to follow me on Instagram at a journey east underscore. Twitter, A Journey East. And you can join my Facebook group, Money Making Micro Influencer. I'll be sure to let you know when registration for that webinar is live. And yeah, that's it. That's all I got. I hope you are having a great day and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. And that's it for this episode of the Freelance Friday Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to let me know. Rating this podcast is a huge help, and you can also tweet me at A Journey East with comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes. Lastly, make sure to join my private Facebook group, Money Making Micro-Influencer, if you're interested in elevating your influence and taking charge of your personal brand. There are so many like-minded, bright individuals in there, and it's a place I love to offer up free advice and a little bit of extra fun into. You can find it by searching Facebook for Money Making Micro-Influencer. It'll also be linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.